Hello, everyone. It is Jet Tattersall here with you again. Welcome back to the Women in Pop podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, before we start, some very exciting news that Women in Pop magazine issue 15 is right around the corner. Uh, So you only really have a few more weeks to pick up your copy of issue 14 of Women in Pop magazine with the gorgeous Miley Cyrus on the cover. With the release of her album Endless Summer Vacation and her monster hit flowers, she has absolutely smashed it across 2023 and across 10 pages we explore her career and her insatiable appetite for music and life that has informed and transformed her music. Uh, we also have interviews with Freya Ridings, Kate Sperano, Peach PRC, Alison Goldfrapp and Peaches and we also look back on the career of pop innovators the Sugar Babes, and celebrate the 40th anniversary of Madonna's debut album. You can buy your copy now at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe or in a news agency near you. Now for this episode, we have not one but two guests. Our duo today dropped their first single, The Glorious Dumb Shit, in 2020, smack bang in the middle of a pandemic, and with their glorious mix of pop, Indian rock, they have become one of the hottest duos on the Australian music scene. They have recently released their debut mini-album, The Incredible How Do You Feel, and they are here to tell us all about it. It is the wonderful Karen Kamel. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Women in Pop. You oh, have the perfect yeah, voice for like do. podcasts or like radio. Oh, in my headphones, I'm like, speak a little more. <laughs> do I? Speak to me, Jet. That was wonderful. I, I could even go special ops, couldn't I? Because, you know, oh, yeah. it's like undercover. All right. This is real. That's a really huge compliment. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, first time here. Yes, first time debut mini album. Mm-hmm. It's called How Do You Feel? Mm-hmm. How Do You Feel? Oh, the you amount of times we've gotten that question over the right <laughs> We feel really good. It's just been so exciting. I think we've had this project for so long and the way that we worked on it was like we had all of the songs done and all of the videos and like basically everything you need for a project done before we even put out the first song. So we've been sitting with it for a long time um, and it's just really exciting that other people can hear it now. When I went to go play our music the other day in my car, I still went to like the private link that we could stream it Same. at instead of, and I forgot that it's just on Spotify or like just any streaming platform now. So silly. <laughs> I love that. I also <laughs> props to the fact that you're listening to your album in the car. I was just practicing because we had a show and I was like, I really need to practice. So <laughs> whenever I'm driving, I'm just singing as well really loud. Mm-hmm. Also, you should just go, this is a banging track and I made it. I'm going <laughs> to listen to it. <laughs> Clearly, you're making the music that you wanted to hear growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially the topics that we're talking about in these songs, I think while we were going through the the emotions during that time, I kind of wish I had something to listen to to kind of like feel less alone and kind of like use something to, I don't know, as like a vessel to like deep dive in my brain to like really find the source of my sadness and drama. (laughs) <laughs> well, you make teenage bedroom music. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever stop being a teenager. No, no, In and you heart. know what? We're not. We don't. <laughs> Love. We, like we we just spoke about it before we came on. We never stop obsessing. We mm-hmm. never stop feeling like, oh god, but that was embarrassing. We replay things from when we were teenagers, yeah. still in our forties. <laughs> that doesn't go away. I think awesome. I'm regressing back to a child. I think. Which isn't a bad thing. I think it's, like, super fun and I'm finding the joys in the little things that... Because I feel like when I was younger, I was really trying to be a lot older. Especially when I was 14, I get comments on YouTube that I looked 30 because I was, like, <laughs> acting like I was 30. And I like, wish you could see a photo. Oh, Jet. She it, wrote, it like, was office bad. attire, like, 
yeah. red lipstick. Un- unironically, because I was just trying to be a grown-ass woman, <laughs> and I just didn't get to really be a kid. And Now her room's full of Hello Kitty and Twilight posters. Because it just makes me happy. I literally got goosebumps when you said that. That's crazy. <laughs> so now I just find the joy in the little things, and even if it is little plushies and little figurines and little toys, and that's what makes me happy. I think that's exceptional because you were a, you know, a woman in her late 30s when you were 14. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We never know when these things are going to come up. Have you been an 80-year-old woman yet, Kat? I think that I was probably an 80-year-old woman when I was born. (laughs) Like the comment I got the most as a child and like growing up was just like, she's so mature for her age. And I'm like, yo, questionable. But I still feel like, I don't know, I still feel, I still feel like an 80-year-old woman now sometimes. Kat's just getting like older and older and I'm regressing to a newborn baby. I can't wait. The music that's going to come out of this is going to get better and better. (laughs) The alchemy of it all. Um, I do want to play title track because it's just everything. So I'm going to play How Do You Feel Now? was already sonically everything and then then I watched the video <laughs> dun, dun, dun. can everyone just press pause right now and go and watch the video if they haven't we'll just wait link okay. in bio <laughs> please talk to me about the creation of the song and the video because it is next level it was a journey okay it was a journey. We did travel to um, South Korea with some of our best friends who helped direct and film and edit the music video. It was just really intense because we had this really strong image of what we wanted the videos to look like. And we also shot Overstimulated, which is the middle track in the mini mini album in Korea. And a lot of our visual references was in Asian cinema. So we thought, let's just go to Korea, you know, film our (laughs) dream music video. It was just a really beautiful experience. We shot it with our best friends and we got to create something really special. And I don't know whose idea it was to like shoot in the water and like it was mine. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so cold because it was winter in Korea. And then we were basically just wearing these like flimsy pieces of like fabric that were meant to be dresses. They were dresses, but it was just like so cold and we were in this freezing cold river and we thought that we had lost our pinky toes at one point. It was so intense. Like, it hurt. It wasn't even like cold. I wasn't cold anymore. Like, our feet were like stinging and I'm like, is this what hypothermia feels like? Am I dying? (laughs) And the shower we shared together um, soon after was also really intense and hot. Physical, like temperature, no, like temperature hot. It was really hot. Yeah, it was beautiful. And also, fun fact, I got my first UTI when we went to 
career, which is really awesome. <laughs> She's getting really emotional. Okay, Sorry, it's really, really emotional. emotional topic. Yeah, I had my first <laughs> UTI and it was raging and I've never experienced anything like it. And I kind of was experiencing this weird sensation like as we arrived in Korea and we were filming like super late nights, like up to like 5 a.m., in the freezing cold in our mini skirts. <laughs> and it was really painful and really awful. And our what is producer it? and translator. And translator um actually took me to the hospital where I had to get like all these infusions and stuff. And we just really grew our relationship overnight. <laughs> So, As it would. And also, yeah. I feel like the universe is throwing, yeah, how do you feel yeah. <laughs> with your freezing water and your UTI and your hospital trip? It was really intense. But I'm like, you know what? It's all for the plot. Like, that's it's, true. It's such an awesome story now. And now we look back and we're like, wow, people are not, never going to know, like, all the things All the we trials went and tribulations oh. of shooting all the videos. <laughs> well, but you know, we know, this is the story that needs to come out. And also, you don't, the video, we don't see the, we don't see the freezing or the UTI. You guys are oh, picking a hanging rock. <laughs> You're not. right there. Um, you said that this mini album, or you said, you didn't even say it today, you said um, in other releases, that How Do You Feel was in sort of inspired by title track of your last EP, Life of Mine. Hmm. Talk to me about that. I think with Life of Mine, it was the first time Camille and I had really started writing together. So we were just kind of having fun and exploring. And it, I had just graduated high school and like I was just kind of budding in my early, you know, adulthood. And we were dealing with certain things, but I don't think we knew exactly what they were yet. Like they were just starting to peek their head, but nothing had come to the surface. So we kind of touched on topics and then especially on the actual track life of mine is the first time we kind of allude to certain things that had happened. And then we didn't go any deeper on it in life of mine. And then with how do you feel? We were like, okay, we just need to tackle this thing head on and actually like deal with it. Cause yeah, I think especially with the pandemic and then just being now in our early twenties when we were writing, how do you feel? It was all the demons were starting to show themselves <laughs> and we had to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. And did you find as well, I guess, I mean, this is this insane, amazing thing of your career of being high schoolers, you know, initially and mm. going, oh, these are the words that I'm singing and this is fun. And, and I think there's a common misconception that a teenage teenagers are, don't know what they're thinking or feeling and they're dramatic and they haven't experienced anything, which is bollocks because I think when you're a teenager, you're feeling everything like in full colour and blast because you're feeling these things for the first time. Mm. And so you're creating and you have all these emotions and you want to put everything out, but then you're told society's telling you that your emotions aren't valid. Yeah. Um, so I imagine dismantling that. And then going, well, this is that was us and that was awesome and this is also us and we're still feeling the thing. Sorry, that wasn't even a question. I was just trying to... <laughs> yeah. No, I think it, it does like kind of encapsulate as well just how rapidly you're growing and changing from like being a teenager into like your 20s because Dumb Shit was the first song we ever wrote together and then we just like put that out and I'm like, that's so crazy. Like we would never do something like that now. It's just like our first attempt at something and then being like, okay, the world's ready. Let's mm. give it to everybody. We were just so excited that we were writing songs together and that we actually liked the songs we were writing. And 
now, obviously, like, we outgrow these things so quickly, especially, I think, every artist experiences that, but also how young we were. And then now, looking back, I'm like, that's such a cute, like, time capsule that we get to have of, like, that time period in our lives where I feel like artists uniquely get to sort of experience because they are creating these bodies of work during certain periods of their life that really just like encapsulate the essence of who mm. they were at the time um, in a really cool way. So And yours was, well, this is the thing, because everyone goes, oh, I've been writing songs for a long time, but you don't want to hear that. And you guys are like, mm. yes, you yeah. do. <laughs> and it's a huge success. <laughs> Can you know, I ask yeah. you, I mean, I know you both um, met at an after-school club. Yes. Am I right? Okay, brilliant. Were you both always aware that you had, uh, I guess, a mythical bird that lived in your throat? that enabled you to sing amazingly. I think we've just been surrounded with music our whole lives. And I think the moment we tried to, like, work together and make music, it just felt so natural and so right. Hence why as soon as we wrote a song, we just got really excited. And we're like, oh, my God, this is the one. This is the one. And <laughs> we just knew that, I mean, we've been best friends for almost 10 years. And it just made a lot of sense. But in terms of... Um, Kamal's the... a natural-born performer. Kamal was always... Look, She's I do just have a, a musical theatre background and whatnot. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I've, I've just been that girl my whole life. <laughs> That's be- Well, I can hear it. I can hear it. All of it. <laughs> um, I want to first play Feel Alive, which is mm-hmm. released. So here's Feel Alive. We have existential themes with teenage bedroom guitars. That was mm-hmm. my, my first thought. But then I feel like that goes on for the mini album, like um, this idea of like checking in on physical existence. Um, mm. Stay here, don't leave my side. I don't think I'm alive to, I don't want to die to feel alive. Like, yeah, talk me through this. Talk me through <laughs> about the mini album as a whole. I think... Existential dread is something that Kamel and I are always thinking about and always experiencing and always <laughs> tackling. So it it's does true. rear its head very often in our music. But I think, at least for our personal experience, that I feel like is also kind of an indicator of like wider feelings of the youth. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sort of just like a, a sense of like disconnect and dissociation from reality. And I think especially with the pandemic, it sort of heightened everything. But I think when you're so young and there's so much going on in the world that is very scary and confronting, and along with that, you're having your own personal experiences for the first time that are scary and confronting, and then you don't know how to handle any of that. There's so much different sort of messaging from all these different people of how you should be behaving, how you should be feeling about certain things, et cetera, that like we just got to a point where we started feeling so numb in our everyday lives where it's almost like 
it was all too overwhelming that everything just kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. And instead of dealing with it, our body was just like, actually, let's just like cut it off. And so we were kind of existing in this state of like dissociation and just sort of, I don't know, like apathy or an indifference to a lot of things and even things that we want to be caring about or things that we thought would be making us happy or like bringing us joy was just not feeling in our bodies the way that we were expecting those things to feel. And so Feel Alive is just kind of about how the only times, this is so bleak, but at the time, the only thing that like made us feel anything at all was the thought of dying. Like when you're feeling so, I don't know, just emotionally fucked up that you're driving down the highway and you're just like, oh, it's speeding up. Why Why am I like, why is my foot like pushing down a little bit harder on the pedal? <laughs> like, um, And so, yeah, that's kind of what Feel Alive is about. <laughs> but no, seriously, you know, bleak is bleak. And also you girls, I must say, girls, listen to me, um, you never lose the humour. You never lose the humour. I've got to say, how do you feel? It's always delivered with a sly smile. My friend, he prays to Robert Smith. Like just that, the and, I, and it couldn't be sad, but I was just like, it just made me laugh because I was like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember him. I mean, like, it's so on point. And I feel like that's why it, it just resonates with people as well, which yeah. is absolutely incredible. You guys, obviously, you've, you've created this very particular sound that is equally nostalgic and so new. I feel like, I mean, you, you're both so individual, but it feels like your musical baby. <laughs> I mean, how did you land on that sound? Well, <laughs> I think both Kat and I's taste in music in, in general are very, very different. And even like kind of our own personal ways that we write are very different. But there's something about when we get in a studio together that it all just comes together really naturally. We especially when we're working with a producer, we kind of like work together as a team to build this track. And Kat and I just kind of go into our own separate corners, write what we're feeling. Maybe one person will be doing the melody, one person will be doing the lyrics. And then after an hour or two, we just kind of come together and it really just like falls into place so naturally. And we've never butt heads in the studio ever. Even like after all these years, it's just always been just a natural kind of routine I think it's because like even our relationship as best friends it doesn't feel like you're working you know with another musician or a collaborator in the same way where like if they sort of said oh I don't know about like that idea where you might get a little bit defensive or upset but I'm like mm. this is my best friend like we're so open and honest with each other like there's no sort of like egos involved in the creative process like we both just want to write a cool song mm. and then I also think like the, the music we listen to now there's like very little overlap but <laughs> Our influences in terms of like what we liked when we were growing up and stuff, I think that's sort of where the nostalgia mm. aspect and the convergence happens is like obsessed with Avril Lavigne, Nelly Furtado, like all those early 2000s like icons. Like, so loved your man to cover. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, on that, like, it's you've got that you know, you say you got that crossover and that influence, but I, I imagine as well, like you came straight out and you were like, This is our first song and this is who we are, which was insane. And it was so successful. But I I wonder, it must have been also quite interesting for the industry to go, Oh, we haven't done anything with these. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But you two have gone, we've met at school and we just like making music. So you didn't come in with any pre 
conceived, I guess, structure of what this was supposed to look like and mm. how you were supposed to behave, particularly as young women in the industry. Yes. And I think that's exceptional. And and usually it's a quite a threatening experience for the young women going into it. But I feel like you two arrived as a threat. Ooh. Watch out, guys. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> On that, how have you found navigating this very... Um, this, this magnificent and sometimes awful creature of the Australian <laughs> music industry. I think that because we did just kind of head dive into it and we didn't really have any idea what it was meant to look like or how we were meant to do things, that we were just kind of like kids like fumbling around. But we had these more like, I don't know if grandiose is the right word, but ideas in our heads of like what it would be like when we finally got to shoot our first music video mm -hmm. like we're finally going to be able to because Kamel and I are also very visual people so whenever we write songs like we see the music video in our heads but obviously prior to actually putting music out we didn't get the opportunity to like actualize the music video concepts so we were like it's going to be so great when we finally are able to create the visuals for this as well and it's going to look so cool and then the first time we did our first music video for dumb shit it just like did not go at all the way we we're expecting it to go okay. and then I think it was kind of like our first little like reality reality check of like oh like this isn't what we thought it was going to be and we have to start learning how to I guess stand up for ourselves yeah speak up stand up for ourselves and like not be afraid to sort of just be like oh actually I don't like that can we not can we try something else? Because Which I feel like we're still trying to learn. It's so hard. It's so hard to <laughs> unlearn being like extremely apologetic in especially like a uh what's that word? Like a a ma male dominant industry. Mm -hmm. And I think we're still trying to unlearn that. And but the moment we did and the moment we started working with people that, you know, were kind of like our equals and and everything, it just became like a lot more of a safer, comfortable environment. Mm. Yeah. And I imagine you do your best work as well because you feel heard yes. and seen. And I think what we initially thought was like, oh, like once we actually start making these things, it'll be so cool. We'll get to work with like all the professionals. And then we worked with all the professionals and we were like, this isn't what we want at all. <laughs> like you guys aren't actually bringing our vision to life or like, et cetera. And then we started working with just our friends who are also very professional. I'm not saying yes. they're not professional. They're, they're awesome. <laughs> but we were like, let's just try it with our friends. And then we've just been doing it with our friends ever since. And I think, yeah, that was a little pivot, a little shift in our mindset about game things. Changer. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> Exceptional friends. Tell me, I mean, we've got some beautiful eye candy and ear candy. <laughs> You're both very busy and we're very happy. <laughs> but what else is on the cards for you guys? What's coming up? Some shows. Zan, zan, zan. Love. It was, it's super interesting because Kamel and I started putting music out during COVID. So kind of for like the first year, first two years, we just like really didn't get to play live, which is what I personally enjoy the most about like being an artist. So now, yeah, we're finally going to be playing some shows. We're playing like our first real life in performance in person like festival gig as well New Lost Year's. Paradise. Mm -hmm. Oh. Ah. Beautiful. Yeah, we're so excited. And I feel like this year we is the year we've performed the most. We got to support our Morats Oz tour, which was so really, fun. really, really, really fun. Um, and hopefully we'll get to do a little Oz tour soon. Um, would love to like visit 
um, over like some international countries as well and like do some performances, which we're so excited for. That's very cool. And I know that you've got an incredibly large overseas fan base too. So I'm sure they're all like, come here, come here. Um, Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It has honestly been so delightful. Um, listeners, Cat and Camel's debut EP, How Do You Feel? We've just listened to a bit of it. It's out now. You can download it and stream it right now, and it's available on all platforms, and it's actually a mini album, which makes me think of cassettes. <laughs> and you totally should, because it's really amazing. Now, before we go, a quick reminder, the issue 14 of Women in Pop magazine with Miley Cyrus on the cover is out right now and features interviews with Peach PRC, Freya Ridings, Alison Goldfrapp, Kate Sobrano, Peaches, and more. Buy your copy now at a news agency near you or at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you for listening today. Until next time from myself and Kat and Kamel, goodbye. Goodbye. Uh-huh.